0: sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio.
1: I'm Simon Rose, and now it's time for the Financial Outlook for Personal Investors, in which Russ Mould, Investment Director of AJ Bell, looks at the world of investment from a UK perspective. And what are we going to be talking about this week, Russ?
0: We're going to talk about Sir John Templeton, Fund management legend, regrettably now in the great stock market in the sky, but it was a wealthy man and a smart man and therefore well worth paying attention. So I did have the privilege, more than once in my banking career, visiting Templeton asset management in their headquarters, which is Nassau, the Bahamas. Ooh. Uh, but it was only a fly-in and fly-out job from Miami. I did my meetings and every time I went there, I then got in a cab with about two hours to kill and asked a friendly taxi driver to take me to Rock Point, which is where they filmed Thunderbolt.
1: Oh, how exciting.
0: The house with the sharks in the pool. Oh. and But obviously you can't get in. It's a private residence, so you yeah, just yeah. sort of stare at the wall, try and jump up, can't yeah, quite yeah. see in, and then, then off you go. But more pertinently, we'll we talk about Sir John Templeton, because one of his many epithets for which he's deservedly remembered is his comment that um, bull markets start on pessimism, grow on scepticism, mature on optimism, and die on euphoria. So it's a framework that I've used for our customers and clients for a while, and I've I've just updated it as much Mm. just to force myself to sit and step back and think about where we are right now. Um, And and it's purely subjective, but you you can base it on valuation. You can base it on share price and asset class performance. You can base it on the amount of press coverage they're getting, the number of questions that we're getting as a team. There are lots and lots of things that you can feed into it. But I think that it, it, it has in the past worked. And if you just think about it, had we been doing this chat a year ago, we were still probably, I would say, in the, the depths of gloom about what mm. the global economic outlook was. People were scrambling to buy bonds. They were hunkering down in cash. They certainly didn't want anything to do with, with much to do with equities, not cyclical equities anywhere, They wanted havens. And um, lo and behold, look where we are 12 months later. So what did that pessimism spawn? I, I, I know we can debate whether it was whether the foundations are solid or not, or whether it's just central bank money printing and fire hose liquidity, but your starting point was deep pessimism, which mm. means lower prices, which means better value, and therefore that's always the start a good starting premise. It is so where-
1: psychologically very difficult to buy at the bottom when you are the only person seemingly who wants to. You quote Warren Buffett as well saying, You cannot buy what is popular and do well.
0: And no, and Buffett. But then that's that why most of before. us are not
1: like Warren Buffett.
0: Well, there you are, and and, and I know people will throw stones at, at the man now because his performance hasn't been that good recently. Because he's, I think, it's just got that much money to run. I just think a lot of large numbers are yeah. a, 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 a defeating his ability to to buy things that provide value to his portfolio. Um, but you know, if you think about, I mean, let's soccer, Let let's flip it around and start with where there's euphoria. One would say. So where perhaps should one tread? with a degree of caution at the very least. Well, I think, I know Bitcoin just sold off this week, but cryptocurrencies would be one. Residential property would be another, if you're looking at that from an investment point of view. SPACs, the special purpose acquisition vehicles, in fact, I've put them in euphoria, but the main SPAC ETF in the US is already down by a third from its high. So just, mm-hmm. just be careful there. Uh, initial public offerings, I think we need to be careful of. Uh, and this isn't to say that the stories aren't good, You know, like electric vehicles, for example, but again, just think of how brilliantly some of these stocks performed. Are they ever going to make money, generate cash? Don't know, but the share prices would certainly lead you to believe that. So I think if you're looking for areas where people have got, you know, very hot and bothered, they would perhaps be areas the way you would tread with at least a degree of circumspection. You know, if you're looking for areas of pessimism, skepticism, um, then I would suggest that real estate is a prime place. And there may be good reasons for this. I mean, you know, we know that some value stocks become value traps. And, and you need yes. to avoid them but retail property commercial retail property i think is, is trickier commercial offices lots of the big real estate investment trusts in the uk i know they've got some retail exposure but a lot of them don't and they're trading at discounts and asset value and it might not happen very very immediately we may get what mr van Tam was talking about yesterday with his with his third wave at some stage but i do think I suspect that more people might end up going back to the office if you're only two or three days a week than people think, and you're still going to need to give people plenty of space. Mm. And I can't help but think at some stage that people might just have a look at at, at commercial resident uh, office property. And in the worst case, I can't believe that's that hard to refit into residential properties, quite frankly. Mm. So I I think that's still a, a, a plan B angle. The other areas where I would suggest that there is rank pessimism right now would be precious metals. They've done nothing. I mean, there was a big scramble for them a year ago, yes, so yes, optimism. Remember. And now, again, nobody's interested. And the gold miners are chucking out lots of cash. They're increasing their dividends. Yes, you've got to pick your gold miner carefully, make sure there are no operational issues, You know, no landslides, mudslides. Yes, um, I always stride. seem
1: to manage the ones that have I'm, really serious problems. I,
0: I write a column <laughs> for a national newspaper, and my record in picking individual gold miners is appalling. So the best thing to do, I would think, is generally stick to a fund or an exchange-traded fund and just buy a basket of them and have done with it. But gold is flat on its back. Gold and silver miners are flat on their back. Nobody's interested. And if you do believe in the, the fire hose lasting for a long time from central banks and the Fed gave no indication of its desire to turn it off yesterday, precious metals could still be a hedge over that. So, again, if you're applying the Templeton framework. Other areas where I think you'd find skepticism, I nearly put oil in pessimism. And only didn't put it there because it's gone up such a lot in the last 12 months, Mm. but it's still down a long way from where it was pre-pandemic. And it's pretty hard to find a sector that gets a bigger kick in in terms of uh, press coverage, in terms of customer fund flows, environmentally social and government fund than oil. It therefore fascinates me no end that ExxonMobil was kicked out of the Dow Jones industrials last year, just before Tesla went into the S&P 500 and intriguingly oil stocks bottomed pretty close around that and whatever we think of oil stocks and we're all i'm sure very hopeful that there'll be a, a zero carbon future in the future oil's going to be around for a long time it's not yes. going to happen like that and these companies are going to be providing something that we need for yes. better. and or i've, worse and for I've seen com-
1: commentary saying that as we get closer to oil no longer being used because the price is likely to go up because who's going to sink any new wells
0: well th- this is one of the issues and there's been not a lot of capex over the last couple of years if you did that see international travel and economic recovery shale has been under pressure so y- you're actually under what i would call normal circumstances excluding the very important esg overlay the perfect setup for cyclical commodity recovery capex down production down restrained uh, dis- uh, Distressed sellers of assets under pressure not to invest at a time when you might, you get to an, in- get to an increase in demand. And what's also interesting is I think I- I'm not convinced by their desire to start buying back stock because I've done the numbers and I think between them, Shell and BP have bought back about 70 or $80 billion of stock since 2005. How much difference has it made to the share price? Mm-hmm. So I just, I just don't get it. Uh, but I think what they are getting religion on is paying down debt and less debt means less risk less risk means a higher multiple. And I know that the multiples are being depressed by ESG concerns. But I think if, you know, again, if if you, you don't run vigorous ESG screens, and I completely bow to those who do, the scepticism that pervades oil right now under normal circumstances would just be extremely interesting. And, and I think that means going into that bucket, although you've had a big rally in, in value stocks, I would suspect that there's still skepticism pervading the value and income styles relative to the growth and momentum styles. Well, I think we're still seeing a lot of optimism. So, again, going further around the cycle, where's our optimism right now? With global equities, tech stocks, high yield corporate debt, industrial metals. I'm not saying these are going to hit a wall. I think industrial metals in the inflationary scenario could absolutely keep on motoring. And, and if you if you divide the all world by the Bloomberg Commodity Index, uh, the index, the blue, the the price relative of equities over commodities, you're looking at multi decade lows. So again, if you get any whiff of inflation and investors dashing for real assets, not paper claims on them or, or out of paper cash, or you believe in the roaring recovery scenario, the roaring 20 scenario, again, industrial metals could still be extremely interesting relative to to equities. But if you use this Templeton framework yourself, it might just help you resist fear of missing out and doing mm. things and reaching beyond your normal risk parameters just because you can see things going up or the bloke stood next to you in the booze when we're allowed to do such things, he's busy gobbing off because he's made a few quid in something that you don't understand and didn't see. So it might just help you that, resist the, the, the fear of missing out and it might just point you in directions where nobody else is looking, where there might be value to have. Yes, you have to do some legwork and some research and you have to be brave and patient, but it might, over the long run, if that's your time horizon, Pay off. And and the American writer Joseph Campbell said, you the cave that you fear to enter is normally the one that holds the treasure that you seek. And yeah, buying oil stocks right now feels uncomfortable for so many different reasons, mm-hmm. ESG being front and center, but the economic backdrop's not good. You know, finding the stuff's difficult. Um the, the companies have got lots of debt, they've just cut their dividends. But again, all of that is known. The stocks have done badly. They're not expensive. I mean, they're still being a decent yield even now. And if you're prepared to hold your nose, which I admit you have to do from the ESG point of view, if losing that Templeton framework, it's just the one area that really, along with precious metals, really, really titivates my interest right now. Partly mm. because again, you know, naturally, awkward squad Yorkshireman always looking where nobody else are. I was trying to march to their own tune as usual.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> given how important technology stocks have, have been and how they've driven so much of the market in the last few years, though, if Technology stocks, because of this degree of optimism, take a, a, a pasting. Is that not going to cause problems for absolutely every area of the yeah, market? Yeah, I mean,
0: if, if you look at the S&P 500, I haven't done the numbers recently, but the last time I did, I think tech was responsible for at least half, if not two-thirds of the market cap increase. I guess, again, if you believe in a really inflationary scenario, then, you know, you, you tech stocks would probably do okay-ish because they're, they're, they're a paper claim on assets and, and and therefore. But I think it means that they probably wouldn't do as well as other things. I'm not suggesting that, you know, what's Apple just declared a 90 billion share buyback? That's about half of its cash pile or something. It, it, it's kind of dangerous. You're kind of reluctant to stand in the way of such a particularly large juggernaut like that. And I certainly wouldn't be anything doing as anything as brave as shorting them. Um, you know, a hedge fund manager told me once that he never shorted anything until it had halved. And then he'd start thinking about it, because that's when the buy on the dip sentiment flips around to sell on the rallies. In his, and, you, you, and now clearly, Apple and Facebook are trading at all-time highs. They're very hard to argue with right now. You can see what could go wrong in the form of regulatory pushback valuation. And ultimately, low of large numbers is going to get them. You know, if your quarterly revenue is $90 billion, you aren't going to grow up 50% a year for very long. No. It's just not, it's just No, not it's possible. the same I argument. I do anybody as, says, it's yeah. just maths.
1: the same argument as Warren Buffett.
0: Yeah, it's just maths. And it's yeah. gonna, in the end, it's just gonna be hard. But right now they're doing a brilliant job. But yeah, and once those growth rates slow, then, you know, the valuations you're paying 20, 30, 40 times earnings might not look quite so appealing. So again, I'm not predicting they're gonna collapse but I can see other things moving past them in the pecking order and rising a lot quicker. Yes.
1: So recommendation is to have a look at Sir John Templeton's um, four phases for the market. I mean, a useful checklist, I think.
0: Yeah. And I love checklists. And and again, they're all part of the, dis- I know, it's partly because I'm that way inclined. I like writing things down and being very clear in where I'm coming from and having a framework. And I still do things on paper largely and, and but well, I, I, and and I think in spreadsheets uh, as well. So, but I think in terms of, you know, when I was a fund manager, I was an analyst, I'd always write down five reasons why I was a buyer or a seller and I'd tick them off. And once you ticked off four, then you need to sit down and have a think about, is it in the price? Is there something next coming around the corner that maintains the investment case or actually, mm. you know, if you a bull and it's gone up a lot, you've ticked off four boxes, is it time to move on? And if you're a bear and the share price has collapsed and you've ticked off four boxes, is it time to think maybe it's in mm. the price? So I think, I'm a big believer in, in checklists. Um, and I think again, they help you fight those emotions that make investing so difficult, whether it's fear of missing out or fear of getting run out know, of, of something going wrong and you, 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 panic selling at the wrong time, which would have been so easy to do last March and April. You know, I had, um, friends who put ISIS together for their, for their kids and their kids are 17 and 18 getting ready to go to university. And saying, you know, the lad's telling me to sell. I said, well, the market's just gone down by 30%. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it can't go down by another X. I'm not a, a soothsayer, but it doesn't feel like the right time to sell to me. Brackets, this is not financial advice. And if you want financial advice, please go and see a financial yes, advisor. Yeah, yeah. I am a qualified one. Hmm. Um, so that worked out okay, at least so far. But yeah, the temptation to sell when things look very bad is is incredibly strong. And if anything, it, what you really need to be doing is thinking of running toward the yeah. fire and not away from it. And it's, yeah. and it's really hard to do. And that's how the checklist will hopefully give you some framework and the discipline to at least keep you safe. Well,
1: perhaps we should revisit it every quarter or something, Russ, just to yeah. see how things every six months
0: is yeah. a really good way of doing it. I mean, you, get, you want to do it too often because then you end up chopping and changing in yeah, yeah. yes, like current commissions yeah, and fees yeah. and taxes. But it's, it's, it's definitely um, worth always... Keeping, you know, when you check, I, mean, I try and check my, my, and all my monies run discretionary. I try and check them every six months most because otherwise they're tempted to bring up the person who's running it to so what you're doing. And then, it, you yes, know, why yeah. have a dog and bark yourself? And, you know, it's yeah. just a ridiculous situation. Yeah. So let, you know, it's a long term mandate. I've told them I'm investing on a 20 year time view. So why give them grief over a three month number? It
1: doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah. yeah. Ross, thank you very much indeed. I've been in conversation with Ross Mould, Investment Director of AJ Bell, looking at the world of investment from a UK perspective in the financial outlook for personal investors. Ross will be back at the same time next week.
0: Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio.